You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I've made a decision, and that is that um, from now on, I'm going to begin badgering companies to sponsor me. Bruce gave me the idea, not the badgering part. That's my idea, because I have uh, zero tact. Tact is the word. But, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm giving them free advertising, which, by the way, rookie move. Shouldn't do that. That's why they always blur out all the stuff or whatever. Just, I should just be like, I'm drinking an energy drink. Can't really say what it is, but I'm switching it up, you know. That's all right, though, because uh, I'm going to badger Monster Energy until they uh, hook me up with some free Monster. And if they don't, I'm just going to be petty and switch and then move on to badgering Culver's. Although that's not a great decision because Culver's is amazing, but I... I Shouldn't be eating that right now, you know? I don't know. I'll, I'll have to think of a plan B. I've, I've always wanted Culver's, but I don't know. Maybe like Camp Chef or something. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think that's what it's going to be. I'm going I'm to shoot my shot with Camp Chef if Monster doesn't pan out. Anyways, wish me luck. Now you guys got me grill shopping. Why, why are you doing that? I do think it's not too greedy to be like, look, just give me your best. Give, give me the, the Woodwind 36 Wi-Fi with sear box and just throw in a flat top. Like, like the best one. I don't think that's greedy. Anyways, I want to start off today talking about the Hall of Fame because that's become a very, very big thing. And I wasn't going to talk about it, but it's like every time I go on Twitter, all I see is Julian Edelman Hall of Fame, Julian Edelman Hall of Fame, Julian Edelman Hall of Fame, blah, 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 blah. And then Brandon hit me up on Twitter. He says, I think we can agree Jordy would be a first ballot guy if Edelman gets in. So I said, all right, I guess I'm in this now. So let's start with that. If Julian Edelman got in, would Jordy Nelson be automatic? I'm going to look and see how many different ways I can get Edelman above Jordy. If I can, let's see how many I can find here. He did play for one more year than Jordy, so he's got a year on him. Although, with one less year, Jordy Nelson still has um, 1,000 more yards than uh, Julian Edelman has. In terms of most yards in a single season, Edelman 1,448, Jordy 1,612. Uh, if we look at, uh, I don't know, yards per reception doesn't really matter, but it's a thing. Julian Edelman in his best year, which was 2020, 15 yards per reception. Jordy in 2011, 18.3. If we look at touchdowns, career touchdowns, uh, Edelman 41, Jordy 77. Gugh. Like double. With one less year, he doubled it. So, I mean, obviously you do single season. He's not a big touchdown guy. Julian Edelman, seven touchdowns is the most he's ever had. Uh, Jordy, like, averaged seven a season. He had seven in 2012. He had nine in 2013, 13 in 2014, 15 in 2016, and 15 in 2011. If we get to the grades, um, his highest graded season, 2015, 83.7. Jordy's highest was 2014, 86.9, so Jordy wins that one. They don't have, like, an average grade for the career, but um, I can already tell you Jordy would be higher. Not only does he have higher seasons, but he has less low seasons. His worst-graded season was, it looks like, his rookie season, 2008. He had a 63 overall. Um, 
Julian Edelman was a 63 in 2012, a 57 in 2010, and a 56 in 2011. So that's pretty obvious. Um, if you look at percentage of snaps on the field, right? I mean, just in terms of how often were you needed on the field, Julian Edelman, 93.5%. Um, Jordy, 94.1%. Over the, this is over the course of their career. So just generally, like, how often do you are you on the field? That There you go. It's pretty similar, and obviously both of them are on there almost all the time, but Jordy still wins. What else do we have here that could be somewhat useful? Julian does have him a little bit more with yards after the catch per reception, 4.8 compared to 4.5. Yards per route run, 1.85 compared to 1.89. Jordy wins that one. Average depth of target, Julian 88.3, Jordy 11.8. That's kind of crazy. On, on average, Jordy's getting targeted 12 yards down the field. Julian Edelman's longest ever reception, 77 yards, Jordy 93. Jordy Nelson had 53 drops. Uh, Julian Edelman had 87. Julian actually had a better contested catcher. I'm just kind of shocked by this. Apparently, although, let me do this by season. Maybe I, I, They didn't start tracking this until much later, it looks like. So I don't even know if I want to count that. Because um, they don't even start that until, it looks like, 2016. But I okay, it's still surprising. Um, contested catch rate, Jordy Nelson, thirty-one percent. So that's kind of crazy. It looks, oh well, yeah, only one year was the Raiders, but again, I'm scrapping it. Jordy had two fumbles. Julian Edelman had eight fumbles. Missed tackles forced. Julian Edelman again, he's a little bit more shifty, so he's got the yards after the catch. He's got the missed tackles forced. Jordy had sixty-eight. Edelman had ninety-eight. Um, Let's see, first downs, Edelman probably did pretty well. He had 423, Jordy had 447. So, And, and remember, again, in terms of totals, Jordy had, um, had one less year. So um, that's there you go. And then final, finally, passer rating. And this is kind of big for, for Julian Edelman, for a guy we're talking about putting in the Hall of Fame. His passer rating when targeted was a 98. I mean, he didn't even crack 100. Jordy Nelson was 116.7. Um, and then you just, I mean, the final metric, we might as well look at it. Penalties. Jordy was penalized seven times, not once in the last three years. Julian Edelman was penalized 28 times. Look, I mean, obviously part of this is silly. Obviously Jordy Nelson is a better receiver than Julian Edelman. Um, I just really wanted to flex on Jordy because I don't, I don't really get to talk about Jordy. I, I feel like, I think when I started this podcast, he was in his last year, maybe, I don't know. And obviously that was not a great year for the Packers. It was not a good year for Jordy. It was the first time I ever saw him look like angry or frustrated or whatever. He's usually just like this even keel, cool guy, whatever. It's just, you know, I always liked Jordy and I never got a chance to brag on him on this podcast like I do with Devontae or some of the other guys. But look, the the, the point of this is, and, I, and obviously Twitter is pretty unanimous that Julian Edelman should not be a Hall of Famer. Even football players are saying he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. I'm even to the further end of the spectrum that the Hall of Fame is out of control. I think a lot of guys that get in have no business being in. I think guys like Eli Manning have no business being in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, I, I prescribe to the idea, and, and maybe it's, it's a little over the top, but um, the Hall of Fame should be reserved for guys that change the game. And I think very few of the people that make it into the Hall of Fame really genuinely change the game. Um, but, I mean, you know, it's, I just don't want it to get watered down. There are some unbelievable... Just, I mean, people that legitimately really changed the game, you know? Guys that just were world movers. And the more people you put in that really didn't do anything, that really, the only contribution they made was being in the NFL for a very long time. Eli Manning wasn't, I mean, he won a Super Bowl. 
and he was in the NFL forever. Julian Edelman has never really been an elite wide receiver. He was good for many years, and he was in the NFL forever. But you water that down, and it's it's the same thing we do with like the uh, the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, some people have done some unbelievable things in in the world of science and everything else to to advance humanity, and we just throw that thing around for for stupid reasons sometimes, and completely water it down, and it just it completely destroys the value of the the prize itself. The value of the Hall of Fame gets diminished when we throw guys in there. So it's, you know, it sounds like we're doing a nice thing, but we're not. We're tarnishing the name of people like Reggie White when you put a guy like Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not trying to be mean to He's a good wide receiver. He gets plenty of accolades. He has tons of Super Bowl rings. He has tens of millions of dollars. Endorsement deals. He's had a wonderful life, a wonderful career, and everybody will say nothing but great things about Julian Edelman. He does not need a Hall of Fame. He does not need to be in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, it's it's a it's a hard distinction. It's hard to draw a line in there on, on where you put the line. I don't know. It's not easy. But we we got to stop just putting guys that have played for a long time in the Hall of Fame just because they played for a long time. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's just it, the, the the bottom line is we're just way too soft. We're way too nice of a, of a culture. Like, we should put Julian in. He's Oh, he's played for so long. No. Somebody's got to get a backbone and say, dude, we love you, but you're not good enough. And I think Julian knows that. He doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. Eli Man- Come on, man. Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. That's obvious. Other guys on this team that belong in the Hall of Fame, I don't know. And I'm serious about that. I don't know if Devontae goes to the Hall of Fame. I mean, we, we got to see how this career pans out. He's obviously right now one of the best. But, the, you know, this past year was the first time he ticked into the best. So if, if Devontae gets in, we've got like 15 guys playing right now that are Hall of Famers automatically. I'm not saying that's, that's again, where, where it becomes difficult to say who's in and who's not. And I'm not saying he's not, but that's that's kind of where I'm starting to, to draw the line. Like, you know, Julio we can say is a Hall of Famer. Megatron, Hall of Famer. I'd love for Devontae to be in. I just, I don't know. You know, same with like Michael Thomas. Like, I, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, he's, he's very, very good. But I just, I don't know that I'm going to go Hall of Fame good. I mean, are we going to be looking 30 years from now back and saying that guy was an animal? Are we going to be watching Michael Thomas highlight videos the same way that occasionally I'll just throw on a Lawrence Taylor highlight video? You know what I mean? Like I, I, to this day, if you, if you just are like, dude, you want to throw on a YouTube video of Lawrence Taylor, be like, absolutely I do. I mean, that's something you throw on before you're about to go, to, you know, work out or something that will get you absolutely jacked out of your mind. Same with Reggie White, Kevin Green, Michael Strahan, Jerry Rice. And I, I mean, it doesn't happen. I mean, obviously there's, there's Hall of Fame offensive linemen. I don't know if I'm really going to be watching. Maybe, maybe that's not, doesn't have to be the criteria, but you get what I'm saying. Like, I'll go back and watch a Megatron highlight video. Am I ever going to watch a, a Michael Thomas highlight? No, because who cares? He's a great receiver who played on a great team who got a lot of yards. Wonderful. You know, if Antonio Brown hadn't gone crazy and had maintained that high level of play for, for super long or whatever, you could say you could put him in. You know, maybe we're looking at DeAndre Hopkins possibly because he's a special kind of But you know what I mean? Like, even the top of the top of the top right now, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't know. Odell Beckham, I don't think so. Odell Beckham had like two, three really good years and then he kind of flamed out. He had one really good catch. I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame because he made a one-handed catch. So again, I'm on the way end of that spectrum. So you talk to me about Julian Edelman, I'm laughing hysterically. I'm, I don't even think I'm putting Jordy in. 
Because if, if Jordy goes in, Devontae goes in. And I, like I said, I'm iffy on Devontae. Now, Devontae's probably going in, no questions asked, but I'm just saying that's where I stand on this. I'll have a conversation about Devontae. I'll maybe have a conversation about Jordy. But again, now you're, you're talking, look at all these guys, guys that we just have to put in now. Julio goes in. We got to talk about Jarvis Landry. You know, Antonio Brown, maybe. I don't know what the situation is with being crazy and getting into the Hall of Fame. Michael Thomas is automatic. Kenny Galladay, you got to talk about. DeAndre Hopkins is automatic. Justin Jefferson, we already know, is going to go in. After like one year, he's basically already in. Allen Robinson's going in. Brandon Cooks, we should have a conversation. Odell Beckham's automatic. Like, we're just we're just stuffing so many people, it just devalues the whole thing. You know what I mean? And this is just wide receivers that are currently playing. And, it, you know, I mean, at this rate, there's going to be like 100 guys a year. Literally. If I can list 15, 16 guys that are just wide receivers currently right now, what about tight ends? What about running backs? What about tackles and guards and centers and quarterbacks? What about defensive tackles and edge rushers and linebackers and corners and safeties and punters and kickers and da 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 I'm sorry, no. If, if if I ran the Hall of Fame, that's just the way it would be, and I'd be a, a, a real brutal gatekeeper, and people would say, oh, that's ridiculous, he should be in. Sorry. Not everybody that's very good gets into the Hall of Fame. That's just, that's it's a separate thing. Very good is, is one thing. Hall of Fame is a completely other tier. Brett Favre was a guy that everybody knew. It didn't matter if you didn't watch football. You knew exactly who Brett Favre was. Grandma Sally could have been walking down the street in 1995, having never watched a football game in her life, and she'd look across the street and see Brett Favre and say, hey, that's that uh, Brett Favre guy. Everybody knew who Jerry Rice was, even if they didn't watch football. Maybe they didn't know exactly what he looked like, but you get the point. You watch football? No. You know who Jerry Rice is? Of course I know who Jerry Rice is. You watch football? No. You know who Allen Robinson is? No. Who is he? A football player? I just said I don't watch football. So, yeah, I know a lot of Packer fans and everything are trying to force everybody in, and I'm sure there are some deserving Packer fans that still should be in and all that, but I, I'm on the, I, I would rather keep people out. As a general rule, if, you, if you're getting in, you have to be to the standard of everybody else because everybody that gets in that isn't to that standard lowers the standard of it, which diminishes and tarnishes what the other men in the Hall of Fame represent. If Julian Edelman and Eli Manning, and I keep saying those two because those are the two, like, come on, give me a break, guys that I that I know of that people have talked about. I don't know if they're going to actually get in. Julian, I'm sure, isn't, but I don't even know where that rumor started. Eli, I think, might, and that's upsetting. Again, it's not to tarnish Eli. It has nothing to do with tarnishing. Although I think there are much, much, much better quarterbacks that shouldn't get in. I mean, <laughs> I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback that shouldn't get in. I think Stafford is a better quarterback that shouldn't get in. Again, being good for 15 years doesn't mean anything. It has nothing to do with the Hall of Fame. Anyways, I don't know. Again, that's just where I'm at. I don't know. I, I, I'm I guessing most people wouldn't agree with that, and we want to stuff every really good player in the Hall of Fame because especially when they're Packers or, or you know, this team wants their guys in, and it's a, it's a big to-do about getting guys in, and it's a big celebration that we can market and everything else. But my number one priority is protecting and preserving the legacy of the greatest players in NFL history. And the only way we have to do that right now is the Hall of Fame. It's the one prestigious honor that only the best of the best of the best get. And the more people we put in that lower that bar, the more we ruin what the Hall of Fame represents. And again, it's just an example of people thinking they're being nice and 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 really what they're doing is horrible. That's 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 today's culture in a nutshell trying to do and say things that are nice, and obviously we're becoming worse and worse people in an attempt to be nice. Because we don't have any concept of how to, I don't know, just, just do things well. You know, I don't know. 
It's crazy. So no, I don't. I don't think uh, you can have a conversation about Jordy. That's fine. You can make a case for it. Julian Edelman, give me a break. Just, just give me a break. At the very least, you needed to have been the best of the best at some point. Was Jordy the best in the game at some point? And don't give me that because of Aaron Rodgers' nonsense. Can I let, let let me slowly transition into another thing that I just absolutely hate? And I know Packer fans don't usually make this argument. It's usually people making the argument against Green Bay Packers just because they want to be petty and they don't like the Packers. That is the dumbest argument in the world. I saw somebody say that recently, and I've seen it several times, but I don't even remember who they were talking about, if it was Jordy or Devontae or what, but it was Aaron Rodgers made, let's just say Devontae. Let me ask you this. Did Aaron Rodgers make Jeff Janis? Here, let, let's let's do it this way. Um, just going to list off some names. Reggie Begleton, Chris Blair, Kabion Ento, Jawan Winfrey, Malik Taylor, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemius St. Brown, Darius Shepard, Jamon Moore, Teo Redding, Jake Kumaro, Trevor Davis, Geronimo Allison, D'Angelo Yancey, Chris Clark, uh, Max McCaffrey, Jeff Janis, Malachi Dupree, Monte Crockett, Colby Pearson, Herb Waters, Ed Williams, Jamel Johnson, Ty Montgomery, Jared Abraderis, Jimmy Hunt, Adrian Coxon, Miles White, Javes Blue, Alex Gillette, Miles White, Chris Harper, Kevin Dorsey, Jarrett Boykin, Ty Walker, Sidera Cunningham, uh, Kevin Dorsey, Charles Johnson, Jeremy Ross, don't even know how to say that guy's name, Dale Moss, Tori Gurley, DeAndre Borrell, Shaky Smithson, Antonio Robinson, Brett Swain, Chaston West. That's just going back to 2010. I'm just going to stop there. These are wide receivers that Aaron Rodgers has had on this team, has thrown to. Would you like me to list the guys that are very, very good wide receivers? Because it would be a fraction, a fraction of that list. Jordy, James Jones, Jennings, Devontae, Cobb, Driver. Is that is that basically it? I mean, I guess you could say uh, Alan Lazard, maybe throwing a couple that are that are on the decent list. But can somebody explain to me why Aaron Rodgers made Devontae but didn't make Brett Swain? Didn't doesn't doesn't why, why isn't MVS the greatest wide receiver in the NFL? He's got the speed, he's got the size, he's got all the athletic tools. But he just can't get over the hump. I thought Aaron Rodgers just magically made wide receivers good. What's the difference, do you think? What's the difference between Equinemia St. Brown and Devontae Adams? Because it's not Aaron Rodgers. They have the same quarterback. What do you think is the difference? I'll give you a minute to think it over. Well, Jim, did you come up with the right answer? You put Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm sorry, that's not the right answer. You lose everything because you're an idiot. I'm afraid the answer was talent. Talent was the answer we're looking for. I'm so sorry. You all fail. You're all stupid. It's such a pathetic argument. Oh, my goodness. Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of wide receivers have come through here. Like four of them have been elite. But we just can't give him any credit. Oh, no, Aaron Rodgers, man. Aaron Rodgers, who's declining, and he just doesn't have it anymore. He's no good anymore. But he's the reason. They're trying to play both sides of it, where Aaron Rodgers is washed up and trashed. Also, the wide receivers are trash. The only reason they're as good as they are is because Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time. Except, if you ask me about that directly, no, he's, he's washed up. You bunch of dummies. 
the vast majority of wide receivers, and by the way, like zero tight ends have ever been good under Aaron Rodgers, zero. And I'll stand by that to the day I die. Tanyan, 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 Tanyan had a good year in terms of like a bunch of touchdowns, yeah. Overall, on a game-to-game basis, most of the time he was just a ghost. Like, he just didn't exist. Again, he had 50 or more yards in five games and didn't have a single game over 100 yards. But again, 12 touchdowns, that's super fantastic, and I'm, I'm excited about it. But again, there's no real dominant tight ends, and it took three years for Tunyon to get there. And, and again, I can go through the huge list of guys. On top of bringing in, like, Hall of Fame guys. Well, here we go saying Hall of I shouldn't say Hall of Fame, but, you know, very, very good. Martellus Bennett dominates everywhere he goes. He comes to Green Bay, he's terrible. Jared Cook, I mean, at, down the stretch in the playoffs, very good. But until then, it was like, what a waste. Jimmy Graham, elite with New Orleans, very, very good with Seattle. Comes to Green Bay, just garbage. Just hot, steaming trash. Great guy, good pilot, all that, you know, sure, great family man and all that, I, you know. Again, this is why a Green Bay Packer will never be on, on my show. That's fine, I don't like doing interviews anyway. But just, where, where's the elite tight ends every year? I thought Aaron Rodgers just made things happen. He just made guys elite. That's so easily unbelievably easily disproven. He does not and never has ever in his entire career made a bad receiver a good receiver. He's never made a good a bad tight end a good tight end. Ever, 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 ever. Now do some be- some wide receivers do better with Rodgers than they would elsewhere? Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple p- passes. When you got a guy that's more accurate, you're going to have more accurate passes thrown to you. Whereas if you're somewhere else, it probably would have been a couple of those would have been inaccurate and you don't catch it. Or poorly timed, and and you know, it just it, the defender catches up and swats it away on a handful of passes. But at the at the end of the day, you're either open and you're, or you're not, and that's going to come down to scheme and your just raw ability. Neither of which have anything to do with Aaron Rodgers. And if you come to Green Bay and you're talented and you can get open, he's going to throw the ball to you. If you come to Green Bay and you're not talented and you can't get open, he's not going to throw the ball to you. He's not going to make you anything. That's such a ridiculous thing to say. The only possible halfway argument you can make is, well, look at those guys that left and how bad they were. Right. The Packers cut guys at the very end of their career and proved that it was the correct decision. The problem with your argument is you can say the same thing about a lot of guys. They were offensive linemen. That was the same situation. They cut very good offensive linemen like Brian Balaga, who went off somewhere else and was just kind of a ghost. Like he just didn't do anything. He wasn't anything special. Some guys do. Again, sitting, but that was a different situation. Packers thought Sitton was a kind of a locker room cancer. But Aaron Rodgers didn't make them. The Packers made decisions that, you know what, I don't think you have it anymore. And yes, there is a thing called rapport, but you can build rapport with any quarterback. That's not a special weapon Rodgers has. So yeah, if, if Jordy Nelson leaves and goes somewhere else, yes, he probably could have sustained or at least played a little bit better with Green Bay because of his rapport with Aaron Rodgers that he can't do anywhere else. But the same can be said in reverse. If you've got timing down perfectly... With Jared Goff, and then you come to Green Bay, you gotta figure it out all over again. I'm not diminishing Aaron Rodgers by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying that's a fictitious thing where elite quarterbacks make everybody that comes on this field just great. That's so easily verifiably false by the fact that almost every wide receiver that's come to Green Bay has been terrible. Literally almost all of them. And that's true for every team. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break? I feel better now that I got that stuff off my chest. Again, if people start arguing that stuff, just 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 shut it down. You just got to walk away. Those guys are, they're either trying to be petty just to get under your skin, or they're just, you can't have an intelligent conversation with somebody that's not intelligent. I mean, let's just call it what it is. And listen, don't be mean to stupid people. They can't help it. Have pity on them. Have the grace to just say, 
I respect your point of view and I disagree and then leave. Because at the end of the day, you get to leave and live a normal life. They got to live their whole life being stupid, man. Don't make their life worse by like yelling at them and calling them stupid. That's not nice. You and I know Devontae didn't get made by Aaron Rodgers. He's an elite wide receiver regardless. But if they don't, just, just leave them alone, man. Stupid people are people too, man. All right? They're human beings. They have feelings. I don't know what thoughts, but they have feelings. They certainly have opinions. There's no reason to be vicious. Anyways, if you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is a great way to help out the podcast, especially this time of the year, although we do have ads right now, which is shocking. Usually in the offseason, that's when they all die out. They're just starting to pick up, but I think once these guys die out, I got nothing until the football season is my guess. And so Patreon is kind of the only thing I got left when everything else dies out, especially when the you know the, the listeners go down and everything else goes away. It's just kind of like, yeah, nothing doing right now. So I thank you very much for those that sustain me through the offseason because it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, there's not much to talk about. Not many people are listening. Advertisers don't care anymore. Nobody seems to care. And it's like, why do I care? Oh, that's right. Because of all these beautiful, beautiful patrons. Thank you so much, by the way, to Mr. Alex Couch for jumping in on the Patreon. Also got to say thank you to Mr. Cole Johnson for throwing in um, some money on Venmo. Says it was for, uh, wants to give it to me for Monster, and I, I will absolutely hit you up on that, my man. I'm taking a 10 crisp $10 bill to the grocery store to get Monster. Thank you so much for that. Let, let me, uh, I haven't actually done this before. Let me, let me try a different tact. See, I'm using that word a different time with a different context and possibly just completely incorrectly. Let me try a different approach. Currently right now, which is pretty, pretty crazy because I've seen people's Patreons, they most people don't get a lot of patrons. We have 177 people currently on Patreon, which is incredible. If we're going to get into this is getting serious territory, we're getting up into the 500-600 range based on like the average contributions per patron, which actually these numbers are kind of getting skewed because a lot of people are doing per year now, which I love, but it's also a pretty hefty bill. And I have a feeling when it rolls around next year, they're going to be like, yeah, I'm not doing that twice. <laughs> That's my assumption is Coming like August or something, when a lot of people hit me up with that, there's going to be a massive, just, people are just going to leave. But I just want to see if we can hit a goal. 200 patrons by the day I move into my house. Again, a buck a month. One dollar. I know those monthly bills can be kind of a pain. You can prepay for the year, and you get a discount when you do it. I think it's 10 bucks for the year. We're looking for 23 more, and we've got about two months. You can jump in on the uh, Discord and ask the questions, and bop, 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 bop. Got to try to think of some other perks to get people in on this, because it's a, it's a hefty goal. Anyways, why don't we take a break? Been rambling too long. And uh, we'll be right back to talk about some more stuff. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
So I got a fun draft question. I want to do some draft stuff before we get up out of here. Here's a question from David Davis, and I am pretty far behind. I'm going to round up a couple more questions that have been out there, and then I may want to reload. Um, If you did ask a question, I still got it in the queue, but it probably just means you asked a really hard question that I need to put a lot of effort in. And then when I see it, it's like, oh, yeah, I got to look into that, and then I forget. But he says, if you were drafting the first round for the NFC North, who would you take for each team based off where prospects are predicted to be drafted? No trade-ups or downs. This is fun. I love this. The Vikings are easy for me, but we'll go in order. So we've got Detroit. Detroit's sitting at seven. Now, ideally, I'm taking a quarterback, but I don't think that's the direction I'm going to go, partially because the quarterbacks are probably gone at this point. And even if they're not, I don't know. Look, if if Trey Lance technically is the seventh on the board, would I take Trey Lance if I'm uh, Detroit? Yes, I would. I absolutely would. I just, I think it, here, here's the thing that I love to do when I do mock drafts is not just think, what do we really want, but what's the pick that's going to make everybody else, especially your rivals, look at it and just go, oh, no. Oh, no. Please, no. And I think, for me, Trey Lance would be that pick. I mean, you you get it. I mean, they got a lockdown corner. He was no good. They they can get another wide receiver, but then it's just, I'm just going to think of that as a Galladay replacement because he just left. So it's like, how much better is he going to be? I mean, even if he's Justin Jefferson, okay, you got one, and you, I mean, you're basically the Vikings minus you know, a lesser quarterback, you don't have another second wide receiver, you don't have the running back, you don't have the, you don't have any of that stuff. The one thing that would kind of make me nervous would be Trey Lance, especially because he's a mobile quarterback. And I I think it's slightly over-exaggerated when we say that the Packers struggle against mobile quarterbacks. I think that kind of got rectified a while ago, but there's still a a history that traumatizes us. And I mean, of course, we're still going to struggle with it like most teams do, but I just don't want to have to deal with it. I just don't like it. And if the guy's really good and if he can just take off, it's just going to make me nervous and it's going to make me mad. Even if we win and even if he's not that great, I mean, just if he runs, you know he's going to break records. That's, I don't know how often we have to hear, oh, they broke a record against the Packers defense. I'm so tired of hearing that. He's going to end up breaking Colin Kaepernick's record, which was against the Packers. Which, by the way, is not a terrible comp for Trey Lance, which makes me just even more angry. Because that guy just, that I mean, that was that was the period where it's like, that was one of the most heated rival rivalries that the Packers have ever had in my lifetime. I mean, Bears, Vikings, all these other teams included. That era, Colin Kaepernick era 49ers against the Packers was so unbelievably heated. And now you've got the current thing going on with the 49ers embarrassing the Packers. I hate that team with a passion. But anyways, I, I don't, I, I, that, would, that would suck. So, I mean, I, I guess I could just take the easy route and say I would take Trey Lance. But again, I don't think he's going to be there. Why don't we do this? I'm going to switch this up a little bit. I'm going to look at their consensus mock draft and see who actually is available. Um, so according to this, Trey Lance does make it past the Lions, and they haven't taken Jalen Waddle, and Trey Lance makes it to eight to the, the Panthers. I don't think that's going to happen, but it happened here, so that's going to be my pick. If I'm the Lions, I'm taking Trey Lance. I know a lot of people are like, well, they got golf. I think they're good with golf. Look, if you're good with it, Here's the other way to think about it. If you know you're going to be trash, I mean, they're in full teardown mode. If Trey Lance isn't your guy, don't take him because your team is so horrifically bad. And again, next year's a real solid year for quarterbacks. Just let it slide. But for the sake of like, what's the biggest, like, oh my goodness, this could be real bad pick for just this year, Trey Lance. That's the pick I'm going with. Again, I don't necessarily think he's going to be there. If anything, if the Panthers get him, they'll, they'll trade up for him. You know, they'll trade up with uh, the Falcons or, uh, you know, Miami or something. Although Miami just traded up to six, but I don't, who knows. But try to leapfrog the Lions to make sure they get Lance. But he's here now, so that's going to be my pick. Next, you got the uh, Vikings at 14. Now, 
technically they're not making it here, but I'm going to do it anyways because I don't really care. I'm not going to base everything on this. This has been my favorite pick for Minnesota since forever, um, and it's obviously the one pick that's going to make me just go, oh, crap, and that's Quitty Pay. It's, it's just, it's so painfully obvious, and, and this one they've got, I mean, I know they have needs at offensive line, and that may be the more prudent thing, and again, there are probably more prudent answers than this, but the one thing as a Packer fan that's going to make me go, oh, no, is putting a guy like Quiddy Pay on the opposite side, a, a team that just got two really talented defensive tackles. They have Pierce, who technically they got last year, but he didn't play. Then they added Dalvin Tomlinson as, as a defensive tackle. Both of those guys are very talented. You've got Daniil Hunter coming back, and then you put Quiddy Pay out there. So you've got this defensive line that's real scary, real scary. They went from having nobody to having four really good, brand spanking new, compared to last year, players along that line, and almost no attention is going to be paid to Quiddy Pay. That's, that's the one. And again, they got all those pieces on offense that are terrifying. You've got the defense that can just wreck you. I mean, you, yeah, well, they don't have corners, and they don't have... Dude, they can wreck you, you know? I mean, you run the ball and get two yards, it's, it's second and eight. You throw an incompletion, it's third and eight, and now these boys are just hunting after you. Hunter is hunting, right? <laughs> doesn't matter. None of that other stuff matters. If they just wreck your offensive line and put your quarterback on his back and then that that offense with those weapons comes out and scores again, you're in trouble because it's not easy to move the ball against this group that's just coming constantly and you're going to have a hard time running the ball because those boys in the middle are just not playing around when it comes to run to the run game. And then you get these two just crazy pass rushers and I don't know that Quiddy Pay is going to be that guy, but I'm just saying that's that is the pick. Again, you could you can make a case for tackle or guard you know, if they take Elijah Vera Tucker, I get it. If they take a tackle, I get it. If they take a, you know, linebacker, safety, corner, I understand. But this is the one that's just, ooh, no. If they take an offensive lineman, fine. I'm fine with that. I mean, it's not going to be great if they really start to hit on this offensive line because, again, they've got a great running back and, I, in my estimation, an underrated quarterback as well as just a dominant wide receiver group. The last thing we want is for them to really build up that offensive line. But, again, Quiddy Pay is the one that freaks me out the most. The Bears, I mean, there really isn't a, a thing that's going to scare me. They're, they're too far away to get a quarterback that's going to scare me. I mean, best case scenario for them, Mac Jones falls and they get him. And, you know, then, then I'm a little nervous that, eh, maybe what if, what if? You know, what if he is really, really good? Same thing that happened with uh, whatever his name is that they drafted last time. I already forgot his name. Mitch Trubisky. Right? That was scary. I remember watching, like, a highlight reel of his and being like, oh, he's really good because I didn't really care enough to actually watch a lot of his tape, but... He, he seemed scary, man. He made some throws that were like, dude, that's crazy. I guess you can go a bunch of different ways. I mean, you could say the one that would be the scariest would be like an offensive lineman or a defensive tackle, but that's just kind of stupid, right? Because even then, it's like, dude, you still don't have a quarterback. You don't have a wide receiver. I mean, you do have Allen Robinson still. So you brought him back, I guess. But I just think the right pick, you know, I, I, I'm not going to go the route of what's going to scare me the most because it's going to be almost nothing. And if, if you do the thing that scares me, which is probably, again, a defensive lineman, which actually is fairly prudent considering I think they're about to lose Hicks and I don't know how much time they have left with uh, Khalil or whatever, but I just think you have to go offensive lineman. So I'm, I'm looking at a guy like Sam Cosme, possibly Tevin Jenkins, somewhere in that, that range. That's just kind of where I'm looking. Maybe Elijah Vera Tucker. I wouldn't really want to go interior because we need a tackle and that's much more important. But if he's just that much better of a value and we're not super high on those guys, offensive line is just very important. It's really starting to fall apart. It gets worse every single year. And now we've got, like, just journeyman quarterbacks coming through here. We've got one disgruntled wide receiver. I mean, the whole team's disgruntled. But um, 
you know, we, we got to get some cornerstone pieces back in here to kind of start this rebuild, although we haven't even embraced it being a rebuild because we haven't started tearing things down yet because we're stupid. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a tough spot. I mean, I've, I've, I've made my opinion clear. I just feel bad for the Bears, to be honest, and terrible situation for them to have been uh, as successful winning games as they are to be picking at 20. And again, I think the best case scenario for them, just like some other teams, would have to be to just completely blow up this year. That's why maybe Elijah Vera Tucker would make sense because how much does a guard move the needle? I mean, how much of you? I mean, how many games are you going to win because you got a really good guard? Do you get an extra win out of that? I doubt it. I mean, there might be like some fluky strip sack that loses you a game that doesn't happen because of Vera Tucker. But again, it's just not very high. So best case scenario, just suck next year. Don't do it for me. I would love for you to go like nine and seven every year. Just go. I want the Vikings and the Lions and the Bears to go nine and seven every year. Pick like 18th. They, they could just go right in the line. 18, 19, 20. Those three guys are picking. They're never going to get those top tier talent. And uh, they just continue to be nine and seven teams. Or actually, it's not nine and seven anymore, is it? It'd be nine and eight. It's so weird. I got to get used to that. Being nine and eight teams now. I'm actually so excited about that. I know people are mad because they're all trying to take the side of the player. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm a football fan. I can't help it. I want more football. If the NFL decides they're going to give me more football, I'm going to be happy about it. If players don't want to do it because of their health, I respect that. I've never talked bad about a person who's left the NFL because of their health. That's up to you. You have to make the best decision for you. But um, for me, the best decision would be more football, 100%. And I'm certainly not going to complain about that. And I'm not going to sit here and try to act all virtuous by, uh, you know, hoping Aaron Rodgers likes my tweet by saying that this is unfair to players or anything stupid like that. Like, look, I, I, again, that's for them to figure out. They figure it out. But the NFL just came to me and they're like, hey, I'm giving you another game of football. I'm just nothing but excited about that. And I'm not going to pretend to be, be anything other than excited about it. I'm sorry. I don't want people to get hurt. But, I mean, they get hurt in 16 games. Should we make it four? I remember a long time ago, this is the, the last time I ever read Bleacher Report, they put an article about essentially saying you should feel bad for watching football. An NFL website. I don't know if they had other sports at the time or if it was just NFL. Maybe they were always other sports. I don't know. But it's like, dude, your job is to promote football. This is how you make your living. And you're telling me I should feel guilty because this is when all the concussion stuff was going on. It's like, you guys are out of your mind. It's one thing to say the NFL needs to be better. It's another thing to try to guilt people for watching football. I do not feel guilty. It's a thing that exists and people voluntarily do. In fact, there's a line around the universe of people that would love to play in the NFL. They're willing to take that risk. I mean, there are sports where people just do nothing but punch each other in the head really hard. Probably not safe. Probably not good for them. Not my decision. I'm not their mommy. And me protesting watching the MMA or whatever, which I don't because I don't find it all that interesting, but it doesn't help anybody. They're still going to choose to do it and they're going to make a bunch of money. And in their, in their estimation, it's worth the bludgeoning to become a multimillionaire. Plus, they, a lot of these guys just love punching people in the head. That's just, I mean, they need that. They'd be doing it anyways. Some of the, I'm serious. Some of these guys are just, they're, they're a little out there. And they, they, it's a great outlet for them. So, again, I just, I'm not interested in that. You guys can go online and talk about how horrible it is for the play. That's fine. I don't care. You do whatever you want, but that's not my thing. I'm just going to say I'm excited, and that's the end of that. All right, finally, the Green Bay Packers. And this is, this is ridiculously hard. I think the pick that's going to make everyone else say, oh, no, is a wide receiver. And I think that's a big part of the reason why Packer fans want it, because we want that big, oh, no thing. The big thing that's going to make everyone go, you can't stop them now. You can't stop them. Now, there's still going to be concerns like, what about defensive line? What about offensive tackle? What about linebacker? What about? I get that. That's why I'm probably not going to take a wide receiver. But that is the big, oh, no. Right, a tackle is not an oh no thing. I mean, it, it it can be if you if you like explain it. It's like a joke you have to explain, which you know it's not funny. 
if you have to explain it, it's, it's not, you know, it's not going to be like, oh, that was scary after you explained it. That's not, that doesn't happen that way. But I mean, you, you could explain it as far as, you know, it gives Aaron Rodgers more time in the pocket, more time to find his wide receivers. It makes the run game more prolific and scary and all that stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that could be, uh, that could be rough. But wide receiver, you don't have to explain that. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Robert Tunyon, Devontae Adams, and Rondale Moore, you know, whatever. Pick your favorite guy. That's the most scary pick. I, I still think, though, the, the more prudent is going to be an offensive tackle. Guys that uh, did not get picked in this particular mock, one of them is Rashawn Slater. So that must be the guy that, that some people are thinking, like, he's not a tackle, he's a guard or something. I don't know. Micah Parsons didn't get picked. I mean, it's there, but I still don't think that would be the way to go. Jalen Phillips didn't get picked. Certainly an option to go edge. Uh, Greg Newsom didn't get picked. Don't get me started. Oh, by the way, Another fantastic kind of kind of an oh no, possibly an oh no pick could be Asante Samuel. You don't usually think of corners as being oh no, but if you can get Asante Samuel, and, and, and I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I was like, it, look, it's it's a one in a thousand shot that Asante Samuel is the next Jair Alexander. But can you imagine that if he was? What do you do against a team that has two Jairs? What in the world do you do, especially when you consider how good the safety group is? You're talking four of the best DBs in football on one team. That's stupid. And if you're a defensive coordinator, it's like, I'm just sending my defensive line all the time. <laughs> just just go get them. And if they want to just run the ball all day long, I mean, best of luck to you, I guess. I don't know. I'll put like one nose tackle out there and then you got, I mean, you get like a snacksy guy. I know Kenny has been the nose tackle, but you want him to be more of a pass rush. So fine. I'm, I'm just going to get like a snacks Harrison type. I'm going to put him out there to, you know, try to clog things up a little bit. And then I'm just going to send Zadarius and Rashawn and Kenny, and they're just going to hunt all day long. Yeah, you try to run if you want. Yeah, you probably get a bunch of yards, and that's cool. But you don't win football games by running every time. You're going to have to throw. And best of luck to you. I mean, look, the point, the Packers are one of the hard. I mean, the Bears are probably the hardest. The Packers are tough, too. But it's tough for the exact opposite reason. You look at the Bears, and you think, you have so many needs, and none of these teams are going to make you good. The Packers are the opposite, in which they have, I guess you could say a lot of needs, but they're not necessarily even needs. It's like there's there's nothing that you can add that isn't like, oh, we don't need that. Running back and quarterback are about the only ones where it's like, we really just don't need somebody. But we'll take a wide receiver. We'll take a tight end. We'll take a guard, center tackle. We'll take a defensive tackle. I guess we'll take an edge rusher, although he's going to probably have a hard time getting on the field. Take a linebacker, take a corner, take another, take a third safety. But but unlike the Bears, it's not like, look, it, it might help in that one situation, but it's not going to help your team overall. This team is already so good. You add in one more dominant piece, it automatically elevates the team. I'm trying to think of an analogy, but they're all just coming up kind of stupid. But it, it, it does make sense. So I, I kind of think that's where I'm at. I, so, so again, the oh-no pick for the Lions is going to be Trey Lance, and for the Vikings is Quiddy Pay. And those are the big oh-nos. Um, the big oh-no for the Packers would be a wide receiver maybe corner, but I, I don't think it's going to scare everybody else. They're just going to be like, oh, you know, they'll get scared later when Asante Samuel becomes a dominant corner. You could possibly also make a case for a guy like Christian Barmore, right? If, if, if we're saying this guy's a dominant player, then you start looking at, again, Rashawn, Zadarius, Kenny Clark, and Christian Barmore. It kind of gets into oh no territory. So I, again, there's just, there's so many options that I, I again, I'm, I'm try, what I, I think what I need to do is really start trying to talk myself into Greg Newsom and Davion Nixon, just in case, because those are like the only two picks that are going to upset me, and I just know we're going to do it just because I don't want it. So if you love Greg Newsom or Davion Nixon, send me every, I don't care if it's a highlight reel, a stat, a fact, factoid, just just tell me why you love the guy. I'm not going to argue with you. I just want your perspective, and then I'm just going to go off into the sunset and try to fall in love with these guys, because I just, 
I've never had this before where I'm just looking at every single possible player and I'm like, I would like all, all of them. All of them are great. I literally any one of these. And I'm like, that's awesome. I mean, just in this range, I'm going back to pick 24. Tevin Jenkins, uh, Trayvon Morig, Zayvon Collins, Terrace Marshall, Nick Bolton, Rondale Moore, Asante Samuel, Jalen Mayfield, Christian Barmore. Then you got the guys that got missed, Rashawn Slater, Micah Parsons, Jalen Mayfield, Greg Newsom, Kadarius Tony, Jason Oway. Literally every single one of those guys, I'd be like, dude, that's awesome. Sweet. And it, again, and I've done it like twice already, so I'm not going to do it again. We go into the second round. I can list almost every name in the second round. I'm like, those would be great picks. I'd love that. In the first round, I'm fine with that. I, I just, this is, this is great. I mean, you know, everybody's got their pros and cons and there's some guys that are kind of more iffy than others. And I did take technically take one guy off my list, but again, if the Packers take him, where is he even at right now? I don't even know. He might've just fallen complete. Did he fall off the board entire? I know he had some massive updates recently. Oh, it's because it's a mock draft. Well, it's still crazy that he would fall off the mock draft. Where do to do? What do we got? JC Horn at 16. Um, yeah, I think he just completely fell off. So I, I, I forgot his name now. Oh, there he is, Caleb Farley. So he's still 16th on here, but he's just, he's not getting, we'll see. I, I, if the Packers took Caleb Farley, I'm just going to run with the narrative that the guy's elite and he fell to us because of a back injury. And obviously the Packers are okay with his injury situation. So I'll, 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 again, I'll talk myself into it. Although I probably wouldn't have made that decision. Anyways, again, smooth as silk, man. It's 458, just cruising. I'm getting it down. 1,050 episodes later, man, I'm just, I'm getting it. Also, I saw, um... Mr. Danny Dimes Kotnick on Twitter came on Wisconsin and Pack-A-Day podcast uh, extraordinaire. I saw him put a tweet out, something to the effect of next week they're going to hit 1,000 episodes. If I keep taking days off, they're going to pass me, and that's just going to make me mad. So I really need my patrons to keep pumping me full of questions because I don't want to go back on that, but I don't want to take days off because <laughs> I don't want them passing me. I'm already mad that I stopped doing daily because I started doing daily podcasts like literally a week before they launched their podcast. So then it was like, you know, I'm like daily started it before you did. haha. And then I took breaks and it's like, dang it. They passed me on that. I can't, I just, I can, man. I've all, I'm already looking at it. Like I, I kind of feel like I might have more episodes than any other Packers podcast out there. I don't know. I'm not sure where Bukowski's at, but in my mind I am. And again, if they pass me and I can't catch them because they do it every day. So I got one shot to stay ahead of them unless I start doing two a days, but then it's just getting stupid. So, um, the competitive side of me is saying I need to keep doing this every day and I got to do it for the rest of my life because uh, I'm only about, what, what would that be, 50, 55 episodes ahead of them? Granted, I'm doing it by myself. They got a team of 50, but you know, you know, it is what it is. I don't even need the handicap. I'm fine. I'll do it by myself. So thank you very much to uh, Mr. Danny Dimes for that little extra jolt of motivation. You guys can feel free to reach out to him and thank him for, for bringing back the daily podcasts. <laughs> no more days off for me. But anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday, I think. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.